There will be no points awarded for guessing the basic premise of City on Fire, a movie which arrived at the tail end of the 70s disaster boom. But let's find out if it ends the decade in a blaze of glory. Welcome everyone to the Collector's Cut. I am Peter and I'm joined as always by David. You got a drag on it, meathead. This is a movie podcast. We work through different themes and seasons of movies and this current season is 70s disaster movies. And this week's movie is City on Fire, a lesser known 70s disaster film from 1979. Mm -hmm. Not to be confused with the, I think, Kung Fu action movie from 1987. There's like 50 different City on Fires. There's books, there's TV shows. Yeah, it doesn't doesn't surprise me. It's a, it's, it's a catchy yeah. title. I get it. Oh, yeah. yeah that's absolutely. what it is. Uh, so we'll start spoiler-free as we always do. We'll give you warning before we go into the spoilers. But the premise is fairly simple. Uh, there's a fictional city, which I actually, at the start of the movie, was trying to work, figure out what city was supposed to be. And then I sort of checked, and it said, an unnamed American city. I was like, oh, it's meant to be yeah. ambiguous. Okay. Uh, See, it's it's weird because this is just a tiny little thing I know, is that it's supposed to be an American city, but the cable call sign that they keep using throughout is most definitely a Canadian call sign, because yes. it starts with the letter C. So it's truly just somewhere in North America. <laughs> I mean, they did shoot some of it in uh, Canada because they. Mm. I, I did read briefly on Wikipedia that they looked for like a street or two that they could like set fire to. <laughs> so they were looking for like streets that are abandoned that we can do whatever we want to with. You know, yes. the, the city will let us burn it to the ground. Excellent. You know, back when movies had to do that because they couldn't, you know, didn't have CG to just fake it. So yeah, I still feel like they may have gone a little bit far, but we'll get to that. <laughs> uh so we'll we'll we'll, you know, we'll get to everything but there's an oil refinery uh that the corrupt mayor played by Liz nielsen uh mm. has sort of like been behind the construction of and it's in the middle of the city and it's kind of dangerous and a lot of the stuff that he's helped put into the city infrastructure have all been a little bit backdoor shady deals they've all been kind of underfunded they're all a little bit more dangerous than they should be uh which is kind of the the, the backdrop of, uh, of the movie's events uh, but everything kicks off when a disgruntled worker at the oil refinery decides to act out. And I'll leave it there for now. We'll get into in spoilers what the actual, mm. you know, happenings are. But uh, would you believe it? It leads to the city being on fire. And what? The, uh, the brand new hospital needs to deal with all the patients and try and evacuate because they're all going to suffocate. And there's your... And there's a bunch of... As with any disaster movie, there's a whole ensemble... Uh, Ava Gardner, mm. who was in like one of the other movies we did, is back as like a news anchor, and yep. she's like a recurring character throughout. Uh, the head doctor at the hospital is a recurring character. Leslie Nielsen as the mayor is a recurring character. Uh, you know, the disgruntled employee from the, the refinery, he's a recurring character. And there's a yep. few other smaller ones as well. The police, or the fire chief, I should say, uh, played by Henry Fonda, who, mm. I'll say it, he felt like he was phoning it in. He's an older man here, and he's just like, eh, yeah, you know. He's, he's, I mean, he... This movie came out in 1979, and Fonda died in 1982, so this was one of his last roles, all things considered. Not much of a swan song, but he got to basically yeah. just stay in the same room and just sort of say things to, like, you know, a headset or... Yeah, I'm, I'm thinking back to the movie now, and I don't... Besides the very first scene, does he ever leave that room? I mean, technically, you see him in his office, which is like just off to that sort of command center room. Yeah. But other than that, no. Like his very first scene where he's outside talking to his son, who's a mm. you know a high-ranking captain in the fire uh, department. Right. Uh, he basically just spends all of it in the, the command center, like yeah, arranging I'm, things. I, I have no basis for this at all, but I genuinely do think that like Henry Fonda's role probably could have been cut if they didn't get Henry Fonda mm. and they were just like, no, we're just going to, you show up for two days, we'll get everything you need and then you can go on back home. Yeah. Yeah. They, they wanted a big star name to, you know, mm. to add to the list of names at the, you know, on the poster or whatever. 
which is which is fine you know they're selling their movie and all that stuff but uh mm-hmm. yeah anyway that's 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 the movie so uh, without further ado david what did oh, you make of city on fire <sighs> so city on fire is very flashy it has a lot of big stunts and a lot of big practical effects uh that being said i genuinely couldn't feel less for the characters if they were kicking puppies like (laughs) these uh, no character in this at any point in the movie was i like yeah i i care about whether you make it out of this or not I don't know. It was just that no point in this movie did they do anything to really focus in on any particular character's plot. For instance, we had the uh, the news anchor and the host and all that, the executive producer. It seemed like there was some back plot going on of like she's an alcoholic and they're trying to tell a story and whatnot. But then by the end of it, nothing's changed. And then you have this photographer subplot nothing changes like nobody learns or changes or does anything better save for perhaps our leads but beyond that is generally just hey look how much fire we can put into one city it's an entire city on fire get it yeah i i I will say that the practical effects when they are i mean there's 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 also this recurring thing where it'll do this shot of like a miniature uh mm-hmm. and it's like they've just got the sky looking kind of orange and it's it, it looks a bit just weak and fake it, it reminded me of ghostbusters when like the zool yeah, thing was going yeah. on top it, it, it doesn't oh. look like the, what uh, the real city skyline would look like if this was going mm-hmm. on but um all the stuff they do do practically which is like the initial explosions at the refinery people falling off things um some like workers in the sewers are getting set in fire and they're kind of like walking and stumbling like all that stuff looks great and then uh the, the the initial spread of the fire that you see you know across like the fuel line that it's happening on looks really cool too it was nice to see mm-hmm. all those practical things uh so i'd praise all that but that's yeah. pretty much it because you mentioned not really caring about the characters i would agree with that i would also say that once things really get going and we're actually into the midst of the d- d- disaster I don't really think there's that many, like, fun, like, you know, problems and, like, solving those problems. It it kind of all boils down to a very much the one same thing happening over and over again towards the end of the film. And it felt a little contrived to me, and I wasn't really sure. Like, I'm no expert. I'm not a firefighter. I don't know how (laughs) fire works uh, beyond, you know, what everyone else knows in terms of basic fire safety. But Mm -hmm. it felt like people were just spontaneously combusting uh because they can catch fire for no reason and like there was lots of phrases been thrown around and i'm like is a firestorm a real thing uh you know i googled it uh no (laughs) it is not and and then they start talking about water tunnels and i i just like there there was a lot of stuff to in the back half of the film that just felt really made up to create Mm -hmm. something that they could do and i'm like there's so many like simple ideas you could do to give them these like little obstacles that could be exciting to deal with and oh, yeah. and whatever. Uh, and it all just boils down to walk- going down a street that happens to be mostly on fire. <laughs> yeah, and I don't want to get too much into that street because it is pretty spoilery, but there was one part of that, I guess, that really is the set piece to the movie, is that mm-hmm. street. Um, there was one point where this woman who just, she doesn't want to wait, and she goes down the street, and she literally does just spontaneously combust i, I actually She's, went back I, she gets nowhere near any fire and i was so poop. confused that i went back 30 seconds just to see it again see did i miss something did i miss like some sort of fireball or nope. something and she just kind of starts to be on fire and they kind of present this idea that it's so hot and there's so much fire that people it's, it's like it's like they're all doused in gasoline and at any moment mm-hmm. any spark hits them and they'll just go up and I just it felt a little bit phony uh, to me because all I could think of was with this street it was like yeah okay obviously it's dangerous because there's fire on all the buildings on either side but like I feel yeah. like I could run down that street and I'd probably be fine. <laughs> oh, absolutely. <laughs> this this exists in some parallel world where if it gets to be above like 400 degrees, you just catch on fire. Yeah, like that's 
that's what this world is i don't get me wrong yes the smoke is uh, an issue like the breathing would be the harder part of it no doubt but uh mm. it's also not that long a stretch but they kind of treat it like it's this like you know it's almost like in another movie like this would be like they have to make a bridge because there's this like crevice yeah. and they have to get past the crevice but it's it's literally just walking down the street and it doesn't nothing ever convinced me that it wasn't safe to just go down the street well there was that one point uh like a little bit before the set piece where there was a car accident like a a car mm. literally just explodes and catches on fire and crashes and i thought that was going to be the obstacle they had to overcome but in the end i think they just decided like nope we don't want to deal with that we're just going to find another way which i guess but it just kind of takes away from like you said those obstacle moments the things that these disaster films are bit, built for yeah uh if it, it feels like there's not enough in it and it you know it's just not like a super short movie, like number 45 but yeah it feels like it you know I, I got to a point where i looked at the runtime and realized oh i've only got like 15 minutes left it didn't feel like i should be near the end it felt like oh you've mm-hmm. not actually set up enough stuff yet to overcome so where's the rest of my movie <laughs> yeah i mean i also think that this movie is strange in like what the disaster actually is because oh, yeah that's was something else i was going to bring up because like yeah the, the, the refinery explodes and you, uh, people feel it around the city and obviously i, I get yeah. the idea that the fire can spread to a lot of different things and eventually before you know it you know lots of stuff can be engulfed but it yeah. kind of feels like if it, it feels like other places just catch fire that are at a distance for no reason and it also feels like yeah. there's little earthquakes happening all over the place because of this explosion i, I don't know like it felt like so many it just felt like there was so many little disasters happening around the city because of the central thing that it didn't feel like should be happening because of the central thing. I mean, yes and no. I I think that, yeah, you're right in that none of those things should have been happening. But the point I was bringing up was the fact that the core central focus is this earth-shattering kaboom at the oil refinery. And we focus on that for maybe... 15 minutes before all of a sudden everything is diverted to yes but what about the hospital like the rest of this town yeah sure whatever it's it's on fire who cares but the hospital it was just built (laughs) it was just built no i mean again i'll 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 do the one positive here is that for that five Mm -hmm. ten minutes when you actually see all the explosions happening and all the people falling off of pipes and stuff at the refinery Mm mm-hmm Great five minutes. That five minutes oh, is yeah. spectacular. It all looks great. I, there was one moment that I, it started making me question whether or not this is supposed to be a, like a light comedy. <laughs> and it was, you know, earth shattering kaboom happens. And then we see all of the like, oh, a soccer field. All the players are like shaking. And then like a grocery store, all the stuff's just falling off the shelves. And then they cut to a dude on a toilet and his entire stall <laughs> around him just collapses. And he's just left sitting there like, what the heck, man? Yeah, and I was like, was that a comedy beat? In the scene where everything falls apart, was that a comedy beat? Yeah, so many of these little things that they show in this montage as like of people being affected by this around the city, all I could think was like, they did not do either they didn't do any research for like how this would actually affect anything or they just did not care and they just wrote whatever they felt like i guarantee you they just did not care they just want because again this movie is 100 percent action set pieces there were no less than 10 different people on fire for extended periods of time in this movie and they're all the best scenes because they all all looks good (laughs) exactly but that's where they wanted to do the focus they want to do these big action scenes i would say best shot in the whole movie i don't even know what building it is but there is just a building that is just exuding flames and they hold on it for like 20 seconds i think this was a miniature because the show this is like the same building they show in the opening credits uh and you see it later on in fire i I think i think it's just like a a miniature this one but it looked good yeah like it was this this very hypnotic shot of just all the all the flames coming out of this but and do you know what the funny thing is is that this isn't necessarily like if i compare it to a volcano for a moment if i will right i think disaster movie where a volcano rises out of the ground in los angeles and there's lava going down the streets obviously a very silly, silly premise uh science is obviously betrayed many times in the logic <laughs> of that movie but 
at least that movie always gave you some stupid re- as stupid as it may be they always give you a reason why the next thing was happening based on what's already happened i feel like right. it's not just that this movie gives you some sort of bullshit explanation it just doesn't give you any explanation it just they just start acting as if these other things are happening and there's no like through line so as silly yeah. as something like volcano is i actually think volcano makes more sense to me when i watch it because at least the, the writers the, you know, the, the characters have been written to say something that's x and y cause z yeah you know. it's internal logic yes even if it's not consistent with external logic it is still consistent within itself yeah whereas this, this just movie, yeah, yeah it's just all willy-nilly there's just things happening and whatever uh you know we spend mm-hmm. like 30 minutes or so introducing all the characters we have kind of like a mini disaster before the real disaster happens so we'll get into that as well in spoilers yeah uh so yeah a lot of stuff going on uh but one of the big characters we didn't mention actually i, I forgot to mention like the rich woman diana who Yes. It, it was you know what they kept talking about diana's back and there's all this press going to see diana and it was impossible not to think about princess diana when they yeah. kept saying diana a hundred million times absolutely uh but yeah so she's 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 actually funded or in part funded the hospital she's donated three million dollars to this hospital uh and that's why she's there she's there for the opening ceremony uh and yes so mm-hmm. uh, yeah I, uh, and apparently she had a thing with this main lead doctor guy she has a thing with leslie nielsen and she also was married to a governor which is how she got her money yeah the governor passed away uh but she married him when she was young but seemingly has had a number of affairs in the <laughs> the, the in the time of that marriage so uh the doctor is the only one that's age appropriate though like Leslie Nielsen and this governor were both supposedly, you know, much older. Yeah, I mean, in fairness, they do specifically point out that she was going like for much older men. Like oh, yeah, the governor yeah. was apparently like thirty years older. So. Oh yeah, they, they say that she got married like right out of high school to someone who was mm-hmm. like fifty. So. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I thrilling. That's how she gets three million dollars to throw away. That's how you do it. Yeah, there was a lot of stuff that was set up in the first half hour that I thought was going to be a bigger deal, and it ended up just being like minor points later on in the film. Yeah, so well, that's how I felt about the entire secondary cast. Like, I yeah. kept on thinking, like, oh, here's the ensemble. They're going to all have input on this disaster and being able to use their specific talents to overcome specific obstacles. But then in the end, it's like, no, we just want the doctor, the mayor, and the rich lady. Everyone else can go home. Pretty much. Uh... Yeah. All right, I should give spoiler warning because I like I don't know what yeah. else to say without talking about no, what happens. Yeah. There's, there's, there's not a whole lot of depth to this one, uh, which I, I don't necessarily go to a disaster we're looking for depth per se, but like no. we we've found this surprising enough. Maybe not the big bus because the big bus was a comedy, but like you know, mm. Poseidon Adventure and Cassandra Crossing both had some meat in the bones, especially Cassandra yeah. Crossing by the end. Like I had a lot of interesting things to talk about. Uh, I don't know if there's the same interesting layer to this one. It's it's more just let's look at all the things they set up in the first thirty minutes that do very little with the rest of the movie. Like right. they could have done something with it. I I thought there was going to be plot beats here. Uh, mm-hmm. So we're in spoilers. The opening like half hour of the movie introduces all the characters, and mm-hmm. it introduces like a number of characters that I thought were going to be, or at least the plots that they represent were going to be a bigger deal. For example, Diana's back in town. And she meets mm-hmm. the mayor at a hotel, and he gets all smoochy with her. We're introduced, and we, we see him repeatedly before this, this scene finally happens, but we see like, there's a photographer on a roof, and it's someone who's like waiting to catch them in the act. So he's, he's, he's like a, you know, a paparazzi or whatever, right? right? He's, he, he wants to make a career of these like lewd photos of this affair that's happening. Mm-hmm. And... There's actually a really funny scene where him and his partner are in the dark room later when they develop the photos and they start singing a song about how excited they are that they're going to like <laughs> have a career based on this. Uh but then like one of them like gets like burned alive practically, trying to like get his his photos out of the dark room because their their building's on fire. Uh which again, yep. great effect. He, he stumbles out in fire onto the road and gets hit by a car. The whole thing's great. Like there's like a thirty second segment here that just looked great. See you say that, it looked great, and I agree. <laughs> but then I'm like this dude ran into a burning building. <laughs> he caught on fire. The photos did not. <laughs> yeah. And then he gets hit by a car. Like, 
none of this follows any sort of like, yeah, that seems realistic, sure. I'm sure this was obviously a safety thing for the stunt person, you know, with the fire effects and stuff. But every time someone gets set in fire, they were all drenched in, I assume, like either water or some sort of protective gel that they use when they're yeah, getting I set in fire. Yeah, I think it's, um, I think I could be entirely wrong on this, but I remember seeing something about fire stuntmen being covered in like basically alcohol. Like something that it's just a layer that will burn off clean on its own, ah, okay. and you'll be safe underneath. But yeah, I, could, I really noticed his hair being wet, and there was no like reason in the scene that he should be wet. No. <laughs> so you know, so it's, it's not really a critique; it's just an observation. But you know, mm. it, it stuck out to me. Um, so that basically goes nowhere, other than that, like the the, the burned guy who's still kind of slightly alive, like runs into Diana at the hospital, and is like, "I've got these photos." Uh, I'm going to, and then the photos end up in the hands of like another character who will. We have to talk about him in his own. He's his own. Oh yeah, we have, definitely do. Yeah, he's his own beast. But, uh, <laughs> but you know, he doesn't do anything with the photos either. The photos go nowhere, and nothing ever really yeah. comes up from them. So, it's like, okay, because like, typically what I'd expect is is that either her or maybe the mayor would make a decision because they, th- you know, before they're in other danger or maybe whilst they're in the midst of the disaster. What I would expect to happen is that one of them, probably the mayor, because he's the more nefarious of the two, right. w- would make a decision that would put other people in danger because he's more concerned about like protecting his reputation because he wants to be governor or something, yeah. you know? And that would present one of the problems that, they f- that the group face over the course of the mm-hmm. film. But that doesn't happen. Nothing happens with them. <laughs> no. I do... That's one thing in this movie that, from the very beginning, everyone is so awful. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like every specifically the one that focuses on the most is the news organizations because they have this entire thing. I mean, if we're getting into it even slightly, the the first mini disaster is a boy. He smokes. He drops his cigarette and his entire house catches on fire. Do you know, for a second here, because I didn't really I didn't know about the oil refinery yet. I was sort of thinking. Mm-hmm. Is this really what's going to start the whole fire? Same. Absolutely. <laughs> this kid's going to have um, a lot on his conscience, honestly. Oh, no. He's straight therapy for like 20 years of, <laughs> yes, I set an entire city on fire because I smoked. Speaking of which, one of my other favorite lines of this movie was uh, his younger sister was trapped in the building. She passes out from like smoke inhalation. And when she does get out of the building, she's being loaded up into a ambulance and he comes up to her and he's like please don't die deb i promise i'll never smoke again and i'm like is this really a drug psa are we just throwing that in the middle of this movie um it's a good good lesson for many reasons one of which is yeah she won't set the entire city on fire yeah absolutely but the the point i was working towards was that the news place they've send out reporters they're watching this building catch on fire and the reporter there is just he's like excuse me ma'am is your daughter caught inside do you think she's dead please give us a comment on your dead dead (laughs) daughter she's just crying and like please leave me alone and she's like all i want to do is like try and like see if my daughter's okay and you know the firefighters are going in and one of the firefighters does die that's kind of her first you know death of the film and uh, whatever but they're like yeah, this reporter, not only that, like, there's even, like, just every single thing that comes out of his mouth is, like, he's he's, he's harassing, like, uh, Fonda's son, who's at the scene, you know, directing yep. the firefighters, and I'm like, they're in the middle of trying to save a life. And, actually, one thing that really bugged me about him as well is he kept, when he was reporting, like, to the camera, he kept saying, oh, they're going back in to save their buddy. Yeah. Their, their buddy? They, yeah, they're going to save buddy. their... Fr- like, what the... They're going to save a fellow firefighter who became trapped. The, like, what? They're going in to save their lover. I just... It's just... But he said it like three times. He kept referring to them. Mm. Oh, they're going to save their buddy. Their buddy's in there. It's dangerous. They, they have to get their buddy out. It's like, they're not just friends. <laughs> that scene definitely struck me as like, hey, we need you to just be constantly saying something and we're not actually going to script you on what to say. Mm. But here's the gist of it. And it just so happened that that actor his thing that popped in his head was buddy yes so yeah he, he kept saying it uh and, you know, whatever but i mean yeah. ultimately this is a reason why like the mother and son are at the hospital not that they really do anything at the hospital other than just people that we recognize that are in danger later well, yeah. that's basically it like, which i mean literally anybody 
she could have been there for like a stubbed toe or like <laughs> yes. a fever. But no, they had to have a smaller fire before the bigger fire. I mean, if 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 I'm trying to like be generous here, right, and say what this maybe the point of this could have been had it been like a tighter script and actually been attempting to say something, is mm-hmm. that this kid starting this fire and then feeling regret is supposed to foreshadow that the mayor character is supposed to go through an arc where he feels regret for this is his fault effectively because he made all these decisions for all the wrong reasons. And this, the, the idea that this kid immediately feels guilt and immediately understands that he did something wrong and this is his fault and he has to own up to it is supposed to be an example of how this is supposed to go before the mayor's reluctant to accept his his part in everything. I, I don't think that's actually in the movie, but I think in no, theory that's what it, it, it could be. <laughs> I mean, if we're going with the mayor even briefly here, he starts off and the news reporter the woman played by Ave Gardner she says all these horrible things oh the mayor's doing bad things she doesn't actually really give any examples she just says oh she's he's doing bad things so we're led to believe yes he is corrupt but then he doesn't do anything that bad and he immediately is all in on helping with the fire so there was no arc for him I would say it's less that he was corrupt because it's not like he's necessarily he he's just taking cheap deals. Uh, so uh, maybe corruption yeah. is not the right word. It's not it's not necessarily he's taking bribes per se. He's just he's know, skipping corners. He's skipping corners to mm. for advantages or whatever. Yeah. Um, so I, yeah, I, I, that that stuff is kind of weird with him. Um, they also set up this thing early on with his character that one of his decisions has led to the city's water pressure supply is like half as much as it should be and that mm. also didn't play into it I, like i thought that was going to lead to a thing yeah. where the firefighters literally would have no water to fight the fire so there was going to be another obstacle where they have to somehow like reroute water from another city or something to like get get the water yeah. in so they could fight the fire and no <laughs> never, never, nah. like the only I time mean, it ever really comes up is that when they're doing the the water tunnel if you will and Leslie mm. Nielsen's character is the one who's like, you know, spraying the, the hose from the hospital on their end. He says, this water won't hold out for much longer, so we've got on a bit of a time crunch, and that's it. But literally, it never ran out. No, it never ran <laughs> You say that, but it never ran The only reason that we had any sort of scene at the end where it was an issue was that the hose itself ruptured. Mm-hmm. So, it, 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 this movie consistently, throughout the entire thing, sets up, like, 50 different Chekhov's guns. And then in the end, it's like, actually, we're going to use the sword. Never mind. <laughs> yeah, so... And, you know, because the whole thing, basically, like the, the only thing that really happens to the characters at the end is that Diana, the rich lady, and the head doctor decide that, ah, oh, maybe we'll be a couple. Maybe, because he yeah. set up at the start as being this guy who has a lot of one-night stands. He's... he's uh, we don't realize it. I think in the opening scene at his place with his like lady friend, but she ends up being like the 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 kids nurse at the hospital yeah. later on. Um, but you know he has one night stands. He's not he doesn't like commitments. But at the end of the film, him and Diana are going to try and make it work. That's 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 the closest you get to any kind of arc or any kind of thing happening. Which isn't that clearly what you would get out of a city being on fire is commitment. <laughs> Do you know what's so funny is I didn't watch the whole thing, but I saw the first few episodes of um, Five Days at Memorial, which is the the show that was based about the true events of the hospital uh, during the Katrina, uh, okay. right? And it was like all of these decisions and all the obstacles. They and this, but this was all based in truth. And it's, I don't know how much they you know maybe embellished for the sake right. of drama, but um, that was fairly riveting because it was like yeah, these are all natural problems that are coming up. They're losing power. There's flooding uh like these are all the issues that come up we've got all these patients we have to help and deal with like and i'm watching this and like it, it, it all just boils down to we have to get the patients out oh we could just go down the street <laughs> you know, yeah. there's, there's just there's no there's no intricacies to it there's no i mean the part that got me the most is the fact that and again it leads towards the is this like kind of light comedy because Throughout all of this, these amazing set pieces, this entire city block that they have literally set on fire through practical effects. In the end, when you really boil it down, the major final obstacle that they have decided to overcome is 
Leslie Nielsen sprays you with a hose and you walk 500 feet. <laughs> yes, that's it. That's the entire thing. That's it. It's it's not quite as bad as uh, like if you're if you're if you're if you're a patron or a YouTube member and you've uh, seen the the bonus episode where we did Beyond the Poseidon Adventure. There's a scene in that where they're jumping over a hole, but the hole is so yeah. small that it like they're pretending that it's this big deal, and it's like, no, nah, I could jump that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, absolutely. That, I don't. I don't know if this is better or worse than that. It's probably better, and at least there's a lot of cool fire going on <laughs> around them, so at least there's some visuals. But that almost makes it worse in that they set up this entire <laughs> set piece, but the best story they could come up with to use it was, all right, you're gonna walk from here to there. Yes. They couldn't think of any cooler thing to be doing in that time. And there was, um, at the very end, the doctor guy gets trapped behind, like, some extra fire that came out of nowhere. And uh, he has to get past it. And Leslie Nielsen's guy, like, come on, come on. And it ends up being that the doctor runs up a ramp and jumps through the fire. And I was fully expecting them to do, like, the full slow motion of him, like, coming out, like, through the fire itself with his lab coat trailing behind him. But no, they did it in real time and he didn't even stick the landing. He just kind of tumbled onto the ground. <laughs> I was like, all right, that kind of just explains the whole movie right there. <laughs> yeah, so we have to talk about Herman. 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 Good old Herman. Yeah, Herman is the character who we're introduced at the start of the film uh, by seeing his wife first, who's like doing like, you know household chores. She's like vacuuming or mm-hmm. something. And she's actually probably the most likable character in the whole movie. She feels like this innocent character. Uh, you her... say that she has literally three lines. Well, that's my point. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, fair. All right. Good <laughs> like, enough. She's sympathetic because she's married to a psychopath who not only does he do all the things that he's going to do because of like a, a job thing, which we'll get to in a second, but he's mm. also clearly obsessed with this Diana lady because she. So the wife notices that he's on TV because there's a news program playing about Diana arriving the city. Oh, the, the, that's the the princess of the city. It's like Bruce Wayne coming back to Gotham. Like, the princess of yeah, the city is arriving this, here in the, the airport, and she notices her husband in the in the background. He's he's in like the, the, the crowd at the the airport, and he's like, "Hey, mm. Herman, Herman, you're on TV. Like, what, 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 why were you at the airport?" And he doesn't really answer, right? And at the time, we don't know either, like, why he's there. Like, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. There could be any reason. But later on in the movie, he starts talking to, like, a co-worker about how he went to school with Diana. He he was starting high school mm-hmm. as she was leaving. And it's like... No, oh. no, no, the reverse. Oh, is it the reverse? Sorry. She was starting as he was leaving. And he... was like, okay, so they're doing this thing where he was there because he's, like, into her, maybe obsessed. And then, of mm-hmm. course, after he does his big thing uh, in the middle that kickstarts the whole disaster, like, his plan is to go buy a nice suit and then go to the press conference at the hospital where she is so that he can try and talk to her. Uh, and then he tries to talk to her a few times while they're in the hospital helping patients. So, like, this guy is delusional and is trying to, like, worm his way in with this woman that he knows is rich. <laughs> yeah. Honestly... It's only once the movie ended that, you know, I sat down and I thought about it. And I was like, okay, probably everything that happened there was part of whatever plan he came up with. Because in my, during the movie watching it, I thought that his plan only extended as far as I'm going to mess up this oil refinery and then I'm going to go to the hospital. I didn't think that it was all part of a larger plan of worming his way in because he knew he caused this disaster but it's only afterwards that i'm like okay yeah no I, he was a bit more nefarious than bumbling as i, I initially know, believed i don't know if i'm convinced to be honest. i i think he he chose to do all this at the oil refinery once he didn't get the job because he was he's expecting a promotion he goes to work thinking he's going to get promoted to foreman and mm. instead he's asked to transfer to another department for research he's like no i'm an engineer I, you know i'm expecting to be foreman and the guy's like oh no we already promoted this other guy and he's like well, I'm not working for him. And immediately his like supervisor or manager goes, yeah. all right, here's your papers then, off you go. <laughs> and he's like, I was like, why don't you ask for the researcher job back? Like, you were just literally, yeah. like, you literally were just offered a, a role where it would take you away from this guy that you don't want to work for. Like, he wouldn't be your supervisor mm-hmm. anymore if you if you went with this. Uh, but anyway, obviously... He's not a researcher. He's in maintenance. At, at this point, obviously, I'm not necessarily... I didn't know yet that he was this, as much of a psychopath as he turned out to be. Because obviously right. he immediately then goes and starts just opening valves and like sabotaging the refinery, which of course 
it's a very dangerous thing to be sabotaging because it's all chemicals oh, and, yeah. and oil and everything else. And I'm not convinced he actually intended to start a wider disaster. I think he just wanted to make their lives miserable. And it just so happens that what he does releases a bunch of chemicals or whatever into the sewage system. And then it runs down, you know, through that. And there's a couple of maintenance workers somewhere in the city, uh, in the sewer, who start using blow torches and the sparks, you know, hit the thing. And they, th- this is a great moment, actually, because they get set in fire and they're like, they both fall before they can get out, but it looks quite good as they're like, you know, they're, you know. That was the first point in the movie, because obviously we'd had that smaller disaster beforehand, so they've already been around fire. But that was the first point in the movie where I was like, does nobody remember Stop, Drop, and Roll? <laughs> was that a thing that came out after the 70s because uh, nobody every people in this movie catch on fire and they're like guess i'll just keep walking to where i'm going yeah it looks better in the movie though doesn't it oh absolutely no doubt <laughs> that's, that's the, the honest deal but, but but yeah once you when you when you lay it out like that though yes i don't think that he meant for the larger disaster to happen because that does seem very serendipitous that it happened at all uh but yeah i think that his initial plan was probably, okay, I'm going to mess up this place. I'm going to go down to the hospital and I'm just going to like, once this dedication ceremony is over, I'm just going to be like, mm. Hey, we went to high school together. want to chat it up a little bit. What do you mean wife? I don't know what I, you're talking about. I think it's important though. When we say his plan, this is not something he was planning at the start of the day. This is a plan no. he forms when he's sitting next to his locker, uh, when he's like been fired already. And he just sort of like mm. has this eureka moment. Um, now, admittedly, though, you could, if you told me that all he thinks of in this moment is to mess with the refinery or revenge, uh, which the other thing he does on his way out, which is far less severe, but he starts clocking <laughs> everyone out just to be a yeah. dick. <laughs> which, I mean, in terms of escalation, that seems like a downstep, but, you know, yeah. whatever. I think it was funny about it, though, is that this obviously is a, is a you know, it's a nightmare in terms of, like, the administration of, like, sorting this out to pay everyone oh, yeah. properly, but... I, I just I love the idea that this that seems like a normal petty like I just got fired thing to do like I, I can sort of like I wouldn't oh, think yeah. he was a psychopath for this I would think it was like a bit petty and silly but I'm like okay you know whatever no great harm See, done him, really him messing with all the valves and stuff was him getting back at that guy who was promoted to foreman mm. because the foreman has to deal with that him messing with the time cards was him getting back at the manager yes who, who let him go because <laughs> that's going to be his headache yeah so of course because everything blows up though 10 minutes later it means that that manager oh, yeah. is a probably dead but even if he isn't no one's giving a shit about those time cards mm-hmm. after this <laughs> i mean i'm pretty sure no one's getting their last paycheck after that but uh, <laughs> i do want to point out um i think it was after the main fuel line had like really started setting off. The news program did specifically say that there were 3000 dead at current estimates. So uh, was, it, after a I, bit of a montage of things, yeah, that was quite early on. Yeah. You said that. Uh, so that's probably like the biggest disaster we've had for this season. I think, I don't think there's, I don't think the oh, side sure. adventure quite got up to that. Te- technically, uh, but yeah. one, one thing that uh, got me though, was during the news program, they're like, oh, the fire has spread throughout the city. It's horrible, whatever. And as night falls, the looting begins. And I'm like, you're going the looting route? You're go- Really? All right, I mean, sure. You say that, but like, did, how much looting did they show? They showed absolutely none, because <laughs> the only thing they showed is even like a kind of example was the photographers trying to get back into their own yeah, house. Yeah, yeah, the... Like, so it was mentioned, but it's not yeah. like we actually went through much of it, if any. So, I, no, I mean, I will say, like, when the, the, the two, like, sewer workers, like, get set in fire, and then the fire starts to spread back up, like, the water and the fuel line. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not even a fuel line, it's just the water, but obviously it's just filled with yeah. fuel. Um, Like, that, that looked good, because it was literally just this river of fire moving, like, up the water. Yeah. And then, obviously, you get, like, uh, I think there's, like, a guy, like, who's, like, doing maintenance on like a big pipe and the pipe just falls over and he falls to his death yeah. they, they, they all look good they, you know like it's easily mm-hmm. the best like five minutes of the whole movie is this section where everything's just going off yeah i would say that probably even more so than the final set piece this oil refinery explosion is the best looking part because it is just concentrated like look at this yeah no it's good and you know just to get back to herman like he, spe- he basically just spends time, like, kind of helping patients at the hospital as a helper. Mm. 
until he finds the photographs on the dead photographer and it's like he's excited to have them like oh like maybe he's going to use this to blackmail her into like because because the last time he tries to talk to her is when she's like she's literally helping a pregnant woman deliver a baby <laughs> and she's yeah. like piss off you stranger i'm trying to help a woman deliver a baby here and it's like what when he made his decision earlier that day to yeah, i'm gonna go and i'm gonna talk to that woman remember one of his lines he used was nobody listens but i'm gonna make her listen mm. that was his entire guiding point and yet he picked literally the worst day to get anyone's attention. Yeah, of course, that's, because that's of his own stuff. But I mean, at least the wife's got a happier end. I mean, she'll never know that it's a good thing that her husband died. But like, yeah. he had it coming because he did all this, and he was tr- literally oh, yeah. trying to line up his next wife. Uh, so, <laughs> like, um, so he he basically just dies because he's he's walking down the street that everyone's walking down to evacuate the hospital near the end. Uh, and I really want to set up just the absurdity of this is that the fire department and their trucks and all their hoses are you know like 500 yards whatever it is away from the front doors of this hospital so it's literally like walking to safety and they're just there like beyond the line that's where they are and, and once you get to them you're safe so yep. he's just walking down this street and the scaffolding that's on one of the buildings just falls down and like lands on top of him where I was like, oh, that's, you know, that makes sense. He, he, he needed to come up and he caused all this, blah, 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 blah. And then, mm. like, the nice enough nurse <laughs> runs over to try and help him. And for some reason, the movie decided she also deserved to have a horrific death when the rest of the rubble or, like, scaffolding falls on top of her. If you care for the bad guy, you are also a bad guy. It's the absolute moral is, is that is that, is that the logic? Um, yep, that's it. She didn't know he was a bad guy, I, though. <laughs> Yeah, well, everyone else ignored him, so everyone else gets to survive. She actually listened to him. She had empathy and sympathy, yeah. The, the, yep, what a bitch. and therefore she dies. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, no, I, I... I don't think that him getting his comeuppance was a bad thing. I think, you know, in terms of the movie, I think it makes the most sense that he does die. But part of me does wish that... Because they have a whole bit during the credits... And shortly before, where it's, you know, they've set up like a shanty town pretty much. All these tents mm. and helicopters coming in. I kind of wish he would have survived just long enough for, like, the investigation to happen. Where they're like, how did this happen? It's like, oh, someone turned all the knobs on the oil refinery. Well, just, so and just, some... just to get him over, oh, he realizes it was him that did all, all this? Yeah, exactly. Even if they don't pin it on him, just so he's the one who knows it, he ruined not only his own life, but everyone else's. <laughs> I mean, I don't really care. I, I don't really. I, I don't necessarily desire him to survive, but it would have been nice if the fact that he had stolen these photographs and like, if, if at least he used them. Like, not obviously he wouldn't finish his plan, whatever it is at this point. But at least mm-hmm. like have him threaten to use them, or like you know, like it, again, it doesn't go anywhere. Nothing happens with yeah. it. He's just holding them I when don't... he dies. I mean, he was a bad person throughout the movie, but I never feel like he ever got to that point of like. 100% irredeemable disgusting throughout the movie because he does the horrible stuff at the start out of frustration with his company but then throughout the rest of the movie all he's trying to do is literally just impress this girl if he were to have done something with the photos I think that would have been that extra step yeah. where it's like okay he is just disgusting to the core yeah I mean he's very incel like <laughs> in the way he yeah. tries to you know woo which Diana. is weird that he has a wife but you know whatever <laughs> <laughs> that that's true but uh, he's not happy with his wife though he wants uh the, oh, the rich yeah. uh you know subjectively more attractive wife well i forget the wife's name but i'm sure she wouldn't have liked to hear that i said subjectively i'm not saying i agree i'm saying <laughs> I'm, I'm saying he clearly thinks this because he goes on about how every guy in school wanted her like he says that a couple times yeah that's fair yeah. so uh, one thing I did want to bring up is if, if we're talking about the fact that nobody knows he did this, mm-hmm. the very last lines of the movie are spoken by Henry Fonda. And he says, all it takes is one man. It could be your neighbor or mine. One man to destroy a city. How does he know that? I I don't. Who's 
like is he talking about the mayor maybe that the mayor uh, made the, the oil mayor, refinery who technically yeah it does share some responsibility for the fact that the infrastructure and the fact that the refinery was in a place that it would cause this much devastation if it ever had a problem mm-hmm. but i guess he's going for the whole thing like I would say, like, see if it was a fire that spread mysteriously, because it was something really simple. Like, there's just one small fire, and it spreads to the point where, like, it's so devastating that they can't stop mm-hmm. it, right? Yeah. He would probably be right to assume that this is just one person or a small group of people, even if it's people at all, who started it. It may have been just an accident where, you know, like, someone left some, a candle burning, there was a curtain, and it spread, right. and, it was, you know, no one noticed it long enough that it became too uncontrollable, whatever. But the fact that it's from a refinery that, like, has this big disaster-style accident mm-hmm. would suggest that it's not one person's fault. Like, that would suggest no. that... I mean, it could be. It could be one... In fact, it is one worker who intentionally did something. But even if it was one worker who mm-hmm. accidentally, you know, didn't notice a, a danger warning or something and didn't do their job properly. Mm-hmm. More than likely, though, it's the just the, the As a whole, there was an accident at the refinery. I wouldn't necessarily blame that on one person. I mean... In fairness, it was an accident at the refinery because they get everything under control at the refinery. They are like, okay, turn mm-hmm. off the alarms. We've got it all under control. They just didn't know that that oil was being dumped into the water for so long that the welder sparks caused the actual explosion. Yeah, like, like a mile or two away, you know, the spark yeah, was... exactly. Yeah, because I assume on an oil refinery, they're all smart enough. Like, safety tip 101 is no sparks, no fire, nothing that yeah. could ignite anything, you know? <laughs> I mean, it's probably the one place in the 70s where cigarettes aren't allowed, but... Yes. Uh, so, I, you know, I, I'm, I'm struggling because, honestly, the last, like, half hour of this movie is just shots of people going down. I mean, there's one funny moment where, a, like, a stretcher falls over and two people on it, like, go tumble to the ground. Like, that, that's mm-hmm. all I've got for you, because otherwise it's just people walking down the street that's on fire. Yeah. I mean, it is... The first 30 minutes are the introductions and that first mini-disaster. The second, like... I guess I'd say 45 minutes at that point are the second disaster, the main disaster, and just hospital... Let's fix as many people as we can. Yeah. And then the last 30 minutes is just, well, let's walk down the street in a calm and orderly fashion. One shot that I just remembered. They are loading people out. They're trying to get everybody out of this mm. hospital because, and I want to get to this, they're going to suffocate before they burn, which is just a whole extra layer of, excuse me. Uh, but they're going to suffocate, so they're evacuating as many people as possible. And as they're loading up one of these buses, a guy stops Diana and tells her that, you know, he's an old man. He's incontinent, and he used to, needs to use his bedpan. So oh, yeah, I forgot Leslie, Nielsen, <laughs> Leslie Nielsen steps up. They put the bedpan under him. And then Leslie Nielsen and Diana start having a conversation about getting out of there. But they don't focus the camera on either of them. They hold for 30 seconds on this guy pissing himself. You assume, I assumed he was having a shit, to be honest. Oh, okay, that's much better. My mistake, that's, yeah. Because <laughs> he looks like he's relieved. He's he's having, he's, yeah. he's, he's in comfort. He's so happy he can finally take that dump. Uh, in that case, I retract my complaint. It's, <laughs> it's top, top storytelling. That's perfectly fine. I mean, and the problem as well is that obviously you expect all this hospital stuff of like, you know, the head doctor running around, trying to like evacuate the kids, like patching up people mm-hmm. where he can. But there's not really much of a through line of, for the characters. Like the one thing that verged on like, oh, problem solving a disaster movie that I kind of could, could see being like a good plot point is that, okay, the fire is actually surrounding this hospital because of the location. That's terrible. And the communications mm-hmm. are down. We have to find a way to let them know. And then ultimately, the the sort of the loophole to like get through to them is is that there's like a TV crew that's got in communications via radio to the TV station who are on the roof. They're filming shots, mm-hmm. and that ends up being this communication line. And I thought that was going to be more of a thing, like more of a big deal, and more of a, oh, we finally we got through to them, so we can warn them. And it's like mm-hmm. it's achieved so quickly, <laughs> and yeah. su- in such a nonchalant way that it doesn't feel that like they've they've accomplished anything. You know, it, it's like you know in Die Hard, which is not a disaster movie, but this I think this tracks as a comparison is that 
there's a good chunk of the first half of that movie where it's about how John McClane's trying to contact the police and he can't get through to them. He's all he's got is this walkie-talkie. He's trying to get through to a, like an emergency service and you know they give him shit because hey this is for emergencies this line like you, you, this is not for civilians and he's like yeah no shit lady <laughs> i'm not ordering a pizza if i remember that line uh <laughs> so he, like the so much of it's about him trying to get through to people and he can't so at that point when the, the, you know eventually they send one patrol car out and he's maybe not going to the, he's going to turn around and go away and the, the, he has a big cinematic moment where he throws out one of the dead bad guys and shoots at the car just so that the cop knows Get back up. Something's going down. They don't know the details mm-hmm. yet, but that that's like, he's achieved it. He's achieved the cavalry coming in and this right. has got attention from law enforcement. And it's a big moment. It's a big turning point in the story where you feel like he's achieved mm-hmm. something. His first main goal has been achieved to get the police force and whoever else involved. They set this up in the movie. We need to contact the hospital to let them know that they're on a timer and they're all going to die if they do not evacuate. Mm-hmm. Two scenes later, Leslie Nielsen hears, "Oh, there's 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 TV crew up in the roof. You've already oh, they've, they've made contact already with the TV station. Oh, great!" And they go in. <sighs> Even worse than that is, I think that they realized the problem that you're talking about that they resolved it too quickly. So in the scene where they are having the conversation, they like artificially stretch it out of like, mm. "Can you hear me, Chief? Can you can you hear me?" And it seems like the chief can't hear him for all of like ten seconds. And then they're like, "No, I can hear you. I can hear you." You gotta get out of there, Leslie. <laughs> Which really stuck out using his real name. Yeah. Like that. It was weird that, was that Henry Fonda broke character at that point, yeah. but you know. Uh, I mean, well, he was pretty old. He was probably delirious. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He's yeah. Like, Are we shooting a movie? <laughs> what are we doing here? Um, I've been in this room for two days. What am I supposed to be doing? Yeah, it just like it felt like such a a simple thing to set up as an obstacle that maybe. You know, it's not as simple as like contacting. I, I guess, I, I guess the problem is, is that the fire department immediately know that there's a TV crew there. Like that's mm-hmm. not something someone thinks about when they've been trying and failing to contact them. And then that's kind of the oh shit, that's our our smoking gun. There's a there's a TV crew in there with radios. We can get to them th- via that way. He immediately just right. says, "Oh, well, there's a TV crew there. Call the station." So the station just do it. And that's it. Like that, that's that's all it is. And there's you know yeah. a couple of scenes of Leslie Nielsen up in the roof talking via the headset to you know, which I, I do want to point out that they had this weird like matte painting thing mm-hmm. in the background, like a special effect of the city. That is one of the weakest yeah. looking shots. It's 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 not a city on fire. It's a city underneath the like aurora lights, aurora borealis. Like it is just. Yeah, yeah. A bunch of red glowy things just moving about. Yeah, yeah. So that, that looks kind of rough, but... Mm. And some of these co- conversations are being broadcast on TV by the looks of it, and some of them aren't. It was unclear as to when I that mean, was. I think all of them had to be on TV because there's no way for the chief to see the other side of it, right? I think they all had to be on TV. Can they not patch them in? I mean, they patched him in on, like, a call to talk to him, but it didn't seem like... I I think that all of it was on TV, also because the producer and the host seem very sleazy with how much they're willing to just completely do this for ratings. Oh, yeah. And there's no arc there. There's, there's nothing where, like, oh, maybe we exploited people's misery to get ratings at any point. They never... They, the only plot that happens with these two is that she's a drunk, and the first mm-hmm. couple of times she's on TV, like, the producer's like, Ah, you can't tell. You can't tell. It's fine. And then halfway through the movie, she starts slurring her words, and he's like, "Damn it, you can tell." So there's a scene where he goes into her dressing room between you know uh, segments and forces her into the sh- the shower for a cold shower to wake her up. And then she gets through the last part of the movie, and it's irrelevant that she's struggling or anything. It doesn't matter. But she gets through it, and then instead of like her being like, "Maybe I don't need a drink. Maybe you know," because that would be the simple arc to do is that she realizes, you know what. Everything that's gone on today has been very serious. Lots of people have lost their yeah. lives. It's put into perspective my addiction. No, she says, okay, now this is over and we did it and we did a national broadcast. Can I finally have that drink? And her producer finally says, yeah, I'm buying. Not only did she not have an arc, the producer <laughs> had a negative arc and then he started the movie of quitting smoking and by the end he was back to smoking. Things got just worse for them. They didn't learn things. They unlearned things. 
Yeah, and again, I, I, like I'm not saying the movie needs to have like some big grand message, but it feels like you could probably do yeah. something with the idea of the media exploiting the the tragedy. Mm-hmm. But I mean, I thought do. that's the way they were going in that first disaster bit with the reporter literally yeah. coming into the ambulance, being like, "Where's the dead girl? Show me the dead girl." And you even set this idea up that they can be instrumental in communicating to the people who are in danger that there's a problem, you know, because they become like this is the, the the only way we can talk to the hospital is through the TV mm-hmm. stations equipment. And it just kind of happens and they never, you know, like this could be like, oh, this could be our redemption in a way in the sense that, oh, we can help, we can actually help them rather than just report on it. But Mm. no, no, nothing. And and in terms of aborted plots, I think that the worst one for me, because it felt like the one they were trying to put the most behind Mm. was the love triangle between Leslie Nielsen, Diana and the doctor. It seemed like they were trying to do that the entire movie. And in the end, Leslie Nielsen's just like, oh, uh, I kind of forgot I was a part of that. So I'm just going to be over here. And then the doctor and Diana just got together anyway. I'll be honest, the doctor didn't even feel like he was a part of it either at points. Like, yeah, like they have a little bit of banter when they first see each other again. But for the most part, they're just dealing with the crisis. And then obviously they kiss at the end. Like it, it never really, it felt like Leslie Nielsen was constantly trying to like, be with her and like oh let's go diana we should go mm-hmm. now together we should stay together diana he was always trying to maintain this affair that they had the doctor didn't mm-hmm. seem to give a shit he just wanted to do his job <laughs> and that was pretty much it yeah. uh but then of course by the end like oh maybe we can be a- i don't know like so many of the character elements are undercooked and this is mm-hmm. kind of uh, ironically for in a way uh, <laughs> <laughs> like they're undercooked and they have no weight to them whatsoever uh it like you say, it sets up a bunch of things. It doesn't really do anything with it. It's not even just that it doesn't pay off them. Mm-hmm. It just doesn't do anything with them at all. Like, it's not even like it develops them enough and then doesn't have an ending. It doesn't even have the middle parts of any of these stories. Yeah. I think the only character that managed to get the full way from here's the reason I'm here to I have completed the reason I'm here is the kid's bird. <laughs> because the entire point of the 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 brother whose sister got caught in that house fire at the beginning of the movie she he brought a bird to the hospital to cheer up his sister and the bird was literally there to be the canary in the coal mine of showing that they were running out of oxygen that they were going Mm -hmm. to suffocate in there because the fire was burning too hot that was the only character who was like that's the whole reason i'm here and i have completed that purpose (laughs) i don't know if i get anything else to say about this movie there's not a whole lot to it I mean, it's, for me, the only thing that I really do want to drive home is the practical effects are great, the special effects are not, the characterization is even less so, and it has an oddly strange amount of comedy beats right smack dab in the, this is the worst day of these people's lives scenes. Yeah. Yeah. But they're very isolated in the sense that it's not like it's trying to be a comedy generally. There's just like these odd moments on their own that feel like they've got mm-hmm. a comedy beat. It's not like it's trying to be the big bus in tone. Like the tone right. still trying to be serious. If anything, one of the, th- the effective things about the practical fire effects and the people being set on fire is that it feels quite severe. It feels quite dark. Oh, yeah. I mean, just that's it's a striking image. Even after they do it like 10 times over the course of this movie, it's a striking image to see whether it's the welders, whether it's people in the oil rig, whether it's that one woman walking down the street, it always is like a, wow, okay, they really set that person on fire. So, I mean, I'll always give kudos to that. It does, because nowadays, like, especially with how fast-paced stunts are and how many quick cuts there are, you can never tell, like, how long someone was actually set on fire for. They could easily have just been for, like, one second, get the shot, and then put out. Uh-huh. But with that last woman, they held on that shot for a good 30 seconds of her walking down the street. Yeah. Just completely engulfed in flames. So they do put the effort into these set pieces. I'm not saying they don't. I just wish there was more story behind it. Yeah, yeah. This is everything else that uh, is, is on subpar. Like, that mm-hmm. one thing about it is good. And it's probably enough that if you like disaster movies, especially 70s ones, that it's probably still worth watching at least once. Yeah. But that's that's about it like you know uh, uh, there's not really much more to it so uh, yeah. yeah i mean i wasn't in love with the big bus but this at least i had its own thing going for it this probably mm-hmm. is definitely the weakest one we've covered uh in the season yeah 
I mean, I'm not going to, we'll see what happens with the next one, but this one definitely is probably weaker than anything else so far. Yeah. All right. What you written? Set you on fire. So it, I've been giving seven, 7.5s over the course of the season. This one definitely strikes a lower tone. I can't really think of anything that it does extraordinarily well besides the effects. Um, and that's just not enough to carry the movie as a whole. So I'm going to give this one a, I'm going to go 5.5. I think that the special effects bump it over the five, but other than that, it's just completely whatever the whole way through. It's not, it's not horribly bad. There's no point where I'm yelling at my screen. Why would you do that? But it's not good in any of those categories either. So 5.5 is the highest I could give. Yeah, I think I'm going to go with a straight five. And it is the, the fire effects. It's the stunt work that, that puts it up to that midline. Because, you know, the other things are subpar. There, there's mm-hmm. almost like a fun, bad quality to the idea of this nut job who starts it all. Like, oh, yeah. Not intentionally. It doesn't intentionally start all the fires, but he intentionally does something extremely dangerous that leads to all the fires. And then he's still kind of being this weirdo who's trying to stalk someone throughout the rest of the movie. Like, if you almost, like, ramped that up even more, it could have, like, a, a good, like, silly... It's almost like <laughs> a disaster movie where, like, Borat starts, like, setting fire to the city to get to Pamela Anderson, you know? Like... I mean, I, I think that would... Just in any sort of disaster movie where people are trapped in an enclosed space, I think mm. having a pair of characters be a stalker and the person they are stalking is a beautifully like that that has plenty of story potential in it yeah this yeah. one just happened to do nothing with it no i didn't do anything with it yeah i mean to the point where diana at no point in the film ever realized that he was potentially a threat or was scared of him mm-hmm. like it's not there's never a scene where she's like oh shit this guy's creepy and he's he's like you know keeps coming up to me he's, he, he wants me or whatever like she's yeah. basically unaware of his existence other than getting annoyed and saying piss off in one scene <laughs> Yeah. She swats I mean, him like a fly. <laughs> that's literally as she's helping a woman give birth. Yes. So, so yeah. you know, any tension or drama that could come out of like him being a creep towards her and the idea that, well, we saw what happened when he didn't get the promotion he wanted. So what dangerous thing could happen if when you know if and when he feels rejected by her? Like, right. you know, we, we could be anticipating or maybe he'll try to do something dangerous. But, you know, we never have that at all. So yeah. Uh, so yeah, five out of ten for me. Um, and does it make the cut? I assume that we're firmly saying uh, no. <laughs> I mean, I'll agree. It it doesn't make the cut, but it's really close to close. It's 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 in terms of getting to the cut, it's just barely falling short. But like you said, it's good for like a single watch. I could not recommend buying this for any reason. So. Yeah. So what we landed on then? Cutting it close or cut from the collection? Oh, I'm cutting from the collection. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I would yeah. agree with that, yeah. I'm just saying, but if, if, if you happen to find this in, like, on a streaming service or something like that for free, it's not a horrible watch once through, but it wouldn't, in my opinion, be worth even, like, the $5 movie bin of shelling out for that, so. Yeah. Well, there you go. That is City on Fire. Uh, movie four or five of this season of 70s disaster movies um obviously there's going to be a season two at some point uh down the line but uh we got one more left in this season and that is uh the china syndrome if i remember the title correctly so yep yeah that's what we'll be doing next time on collector's cup and then we're on to our next theme which is teenage mutant ninja turtles (laughs) Oh boy! All the live action movies, the three nineties films, and then the two Bay produced features. Strangely, I think that the lowest quality ones are still at the end of that. <laughs> so uh, look forward to that. But we got one last seventies disaster movie of this current season to get through, mm-hmm. uh, and then we'll be on to that. But yeah, uh, so. You know, as per usual, thank you very much for joining us, and you can support all the content by uh, using the super thanks button, becoming a member on YouTube, or of course, the most popular route is going over to patreon.com slash TV 
and you can get a bonus episode every month uh, at the three dollar and up tier and uh, you know to help keep all the content coming and uh, there's voting rates at a higher tier and things like that so go and have a look and see if you're interested in any of that stuff uh, and of course you can support for free by simply liking subscribing commenting below uh, rate the podcast on itunes wherever your podcast from uh, all of it does help and of course uh, you know look look check out the social media links in the description uh, rather than saying one because who knows what social medias are going to still exist at any given point check us out on mastodon <laughs> hive social uh myspace does that still exist i'm sure in some form <laughs> uh so yes uh but that that's pretty much it uh thank you very much for joining us we always appreciate it keep watching movies and i don't have anything way to say from this movie uh, uh the, the, the the fire the, uh the, the, the fire rises the-